The following podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. This week on Kayfabe, stories you're not supposed to hear. Pat Patterson, you know, had interjected his deal. He interjected his deal into you? Yeah, well, he wanted me to be, they said, oh, now you're from San Francisco. He, He wanted me to be beefcake the gay guy. All right, welcome back. I am coming to you from the road. There's this whole thing going on, man. There's this whole thing going on. I hate to date. I always hate to date the programming, right? You hate to do stuff that is time-stamped. But I guess I do have to explain that if there was ambient noise, I'm doing this outside, down in Florida, on the run on the run from the goddamn coronavirus. I don't know what this is going to be looked back on. I do wonder when I think about this whole time, like what will this be looked at, uh, looked back at? Will it be something as terrifying as the, um, as the swine flu? Perhaps. Will this be something as terrifying as, as swine flu? Ebola, perhaps? I don't know. Who knows? Where this is headed, but uh, I am I am down here in uh, in uh, Florida, as far south as I go, without getting wet. And uh, you know what was on my mind to talk about was terminology. I'm listening to it's so funny because you you watch everybody caught up in the discussions, different varying uh, sides of the discussion um, of this out break this COVID-19 coronavirus and so there's a lot of semantics and you know we're listening to politicians we're gauging politicians uh, how they're using terms and criticizing and so uh, every once in a while I come up with a term or I'll say something go oh that's I got to keep that and um, I usually forget it uh, fail to write it down or anything, but I, I, was, I was trying to bring some to mind uh, to discuss here. Not words, because there are words that aren't words, but they should be words. Come across them all the time, like the word gription. You know, the tire had great gription. Um, I, I, it's a marriage between grip and traction, obviously, but um, gription should be somewhere. I'm not not going to argue that. But um, but. Instead of just words, but terms. Like, for example, uh, one that I've heard, I'm not sure if my wife came up with it or if, or if it was something she'd heard, was a practice people engage in on Facebook called vague booking, where they'll just throw something out there for the purpose of getting attention and getting people to uh, to ask questions. So, for example, you might Facebook, uh, you might put out there a Facebook a message that says, sad day, dot, dot, dot. Now, if anyone who's your friend, what they should do is fucking leave it. Leave it. Leave it. You have the time. If you had the time to sit there and type that and open the windows and press publish, then you had the time to explain what you're sad about. Okay? So... It's very clear why you're not. So that type of thing, um, vague booking, being purposefully vague on Facebook. 
Um, I came up with one the other day to describe a type of person. Um, deaf preacher, I called it. And it's someone who does not hear your end of the conversation when they're rolling about something. I'm not talking about in a heated argument. That's just somebody who's, who's not... Be- but someone who's sitting there going, yeah, I, uh, I, I moved the uh, bricks to the other side of the house because, you know, you shouldn't put it over there because of the sun. And you go, yeah, well, I have a tarp that I'm going to throw over the, uh, the, the bricks so they don't sit in the sun. They go, no, because, you know, because the sun, it'll, it'll affect the, the bricks. And I moved it. And I go, no, no, I, I know. I, I, that's why I have the tarp, the tarp over there, the blue tarp, to put over the bricks. Yeah, no, because the sun. Well, yeah, deaf preacher That's what I called that. Um, now, you see, at Kayfabe Commentaries, wrestlers gave us so many. And I've heard that you guys use them. We use them uh, at KC uh, a lot of times and, uh, you know, off off the air. And um, I'm trying to I'm gonna try and bring them as many come to mind. It, it makes me happy, by the way, I want to say, that uh, you guys decided to use some of some of the terms that had come up. So... Uh, hockey's honk man started started his uh you shoot his second you shoot htm2 with a story where uh he was in the hotel room and his son was going to use the bathroom he's like he said no yeah you don't use my bed you go down and shit with the marks so shit with the marks is one that you guys can have that's a kc one and that's the kayfabe commentary it's shit with the marks um good for price the iron sheik for god's sakes the iron sheik when he shoved me out of the diner after doing the Howard Stern show to promote ring roasts, and um, he shoves me out of the diner, and I I I wanted to pay, but he he pushed me out the door, hugged the owners, and turned and walked out. No one paid the damn bill, and the car starts. Eric Sims, who was clearly super agent Eric Sims, clearly used to this routine with the Sheik, has the car ready. You know, it's pointed west and uh, fill it with gas and point it toward Mexico. And um, he just floors it and, and we're gone. And the first thing that's said is, oh, breakfast good for price by Shiki. So good for price. You could have that. Something that's also grown beyond KC and wrestling and Jim Cornette was his thank you, fuck you, bye. When he was talking about his phone call with perhaps John Laurinaitis. On one of his U shoots, that was from a KC show. Thank you, fuck you, bye. So um, we're happy we brought that uh, to you. Tony Atlas's U shoot. Tony Atlas's U shoot was rife with interesting terminology, um, some pronunciations I had I was not aware of, uh, and one that has grown beyond the show was destructor which is how he answered the question, how would you describe the cocaine in the 80s? And he said, Destructor. And uh, that actually made it into the WWE locker rooms. They, there was one particular tour that was brutal. And um, one of the talent was telling me, I think it was Drew McIntyre, was telling me that uh, when the, the guys were getting dressed in the locker room and they would just look at, another, look at one another and say, Destructor. And that's from the Tony Atlas U shoot, a favorite of mine, a favorite of mine, very underrated program. You know, it's not one of the heavies, right? It's not Jim Cornette or Kevin Nash. So, but listen, it is worth your invested time to get a little Tony Atlas. Here's one I never talked about. 
Superstar Billy Graham, we had him in to do Timeline, and then he was going to be doing uh, an interview show after us for Legends of the Ring, which centered around the Florida Territory, and um, and then after that was going to do uh, something else for, oh, the roast that night, he was going to do the roast of Terry Funk. So he was now he had to get the sugar taken care of. He was not in good health and um, it wasn't falling apart, but he he was he came in and and there was an issue with his sugar. It had to be uh, taken and then maybe given a shot or a pill or something. And so we we caught up with him after, you know, we said to him, like, listen, make sure you get the sugar looked at before we move to the next shoot. And uh, and I saw him and we his handlers and and the promoters and myself and crew were there. We said, Billy, how you feeling? How did, did you take care of what you had to do? He said, Yeah, we went upstairs. We did the sugar deal. So the sugar deal became one. Um, a variation on some of that that has come out of the Casey stuff is some terms based on our interactions with talent. So, for example. You might reference someone doing a Conan, which is uh, taking someone's money and not showing up. Um, listen, it's you could call it doing a, a Sid, or I mean, it could have happened to other talent. But I've heard the do a Conan. Uh, I heard do a buff, which is to show up for work in no condition to work. But those are just a few off the top of my head. I want to know what you guys think. Which ones do you use? Which ones have you used from KC shows and brought into your lives? Tweet them to me. All right, at this time where horror movies based on books are coming back, It, the popularity of It, remake of Pet Cemetery, all these Netflix series are based on thrillers, great new supernatural horror novel out there called Transfer by the brilliant author of fiction and nonfiction, Sean Oliver, yours truly, Transfer. The book reads a discovery called An Exceptionally Thrilling Story that builds up with a solid pace and keeps the reader immersed and emotionally invested. A four-year-old has just died in the classroom. A shocked community turns its attention to the troubled urban school for answers, and there seem to be none coming. School guidance counselor Lane Waterman, busy handling the school's grief, notices students had been transferring out of PS12 at an unusually high rate for months. Their destinations seem random, the reasons unknown. What is first suspected to be a bureaucratic conspiracy eventually reveals itself to be a far deeper and darker threat crawling through the community. Her investigation into the children's circumstances takes her far off course beyond school and into the belly of a deadly secret hidden in a forgotten urban wasteland. Can Lane put the lid on a spreading menace before the secret gets out? Turns out she's got some secrets of her own. The supernatural horror thriller will keep you guessing until the end. Step inside now. Transfer! A supernatural horror novel by Sean Oliver, available at Amazon, on Kindle, on paperback. It's Transfer. All right, hold no, on a you second. Don't, you don't have to leave. You could be You could be part of the show. Oh, believe me, I'll be here, but I'm going to let him chat. And if he, yeah, if he doesn't remember something, I'll... <laughs> For, <laughs> for everyone just tuning in, this this is uh, Mrs. Beefcake. Are we going with that? Mrs. Leslie, Mrs. Beefcake, what are we going with? Missy Beefcake. Missy Beefcake, um, who is um, who wanted a little pre-screening action. Am I right? A little- no, by, by the way, she really is my agent, though. Yes. 
And so, she's a great agent. Since she took over, I've got a huge uh, raise in pay. <laughs> you kept 100% in the household. Oh, oh she does good. Um, she's got, she got a reputation, though. I mean, the guys up, especially in the Northeast, don't like her. Cause why don't we tough. like her? Tell me, why don't we well, like her? she worked for a lawyer for many, many years, did negotiating settlements and i'm italian and i'm good looking and i beat them up for she's as pretty much smart money yeah. as I can get. and so they they hate having to describe me try to, to a t. try to go to war with <laughs> with a woman and you know when they get when they get their asses beat then they, they all cry ah she's hard to deal with you oh this and that but where was she 25 well, years ago she should have been in the in the fucking ring with you on the stick with uh, you you kidding uh, me yeah, uh, I wish. I, I actually, did you, not to get off subject, but there, did there you is see no the, subject. <laughs> did, did you see The Million Dollar Man's The Price of Fame? Did you see that on Amazon? You Movies? know, I thought it was going to be like a work. I, I, I it, it seemed a little self indulgent and a little bit of a work, so I didn't give it much oh, time. Oh, yeah. Big time now. Well, I'm in it. Oh, well, now I'll watch it. What what, oh, okay. what? Where could I fast forward to? About how many minutes in? I, I can't sit through oh, that whole thing. I don't know. My daughter called me up and she said, we're watching The Price of Fame and guess who's in it? I said, who? She said, you are. I said, oh boy. <laughs> it's a match from Boston. and uh, I, I kissed Ted DiBiase's foot at Boston Garden for 300 oh, bucks. Oh, so it was footage from, from when yeah, he was yeah. working. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I was a gorgeous brunette then. Now Ooh. I'm a gorgeous blonde. Were you two married back then? No, no, but I actually we actually met in 1986 in Boston Garden. Yeah, she wow. was probably 16. And Missy, you were like six years old, probably. <laughs> I was just a I she was, was a, a young puppy dog, beautiful girl though. For everyone tuning into Sean Oliver's Kayfabe podcast, I'm talking with my old friend Brutus Beefcake. Um, you know, the only other time I say old friend, the only other time we work together, and I tell the story in my book, and people love to talk about it. We set up to do a shoot, okay, a shoot interview uh, for our Timeline series, Timeline, the History of WWE. We're going to cover the year um, 1989. Now, this was booked through super agent Eric Sims, who famously <laughs> who famously likes to tell his clients as little as possible about what they're about to walk into. So the only time we could get Brutus was like 8 a.m. So we Is get this in, when he was drunk? Oh, was he drunk? well, hold, let me tell the story. And then you, I don't want to make accusations, Missy. So you can <laughs> you can be the one to jump in. So I he so we're all set up eight o'clock. And listen, we're all a little bleary eyed. But, you know, when, when you're working the road for an Eric Sims and he's running you into the ground, you're very tired the next morning at eight o'clock. I don't think uh, Brutus was uh, out at the bars or anything the night before. He was probably even worked very hard the night before. He walks into the fucking room. The cameras are set. He probably, Eric probably said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to do a couple of minutes of an interview. Uh, they're going to write some questions on a pad, and then you're going to answer them. <laughs> he walks in the room. The cat, four lights, the cameras, the microphones. Brutus walks into the room, goes, whoa, and turns around and walks out. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> I, have a, I have an interview, a crew, a whole set paid for, and Brutus is now gone. So I turn to super agent Eric Sims and I say, you know, listen, could you could you put the dreidel down, take off the yarmulke and go f find your client, for God's sakes. And, and he heads out. Brutus comes back in, sits down. And the reason he's in my book is because I talk about something called a performance gene and it has nothing to do with the bedroom. It's some people have it. 
And no matter what Brutus was feeling at the time when he walked into that set and the effects of the night before, the red light came on. He talked for two and a half hours about everything we asked him, all the details about 1989, as soon as that light came on. And we can start the interview with this. Is the performance gene gone? It was probably in all of you guys at the time because you had to perform. You guys were on the road a million days a year. You're doing these stupid promos at 9 o'clock in the morning with me and Gene for 10 hours. You have to be able to turn it on like a switch, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's on now. And then we, I drank two or three. Me and a couple of friends drank three bottles of Padron that night till, till about three in the morning and Eric was woke me up at seven so I, I'd slept about two or three hours and but I felt like I hadn't slept in a wink and I felt like I just walked away from the bar I was I was still freaking loops but I feel no guilt Brutus because that was you guys in the old days that was every day right doing TVs so you're used to this shit it's like it's 1987 again yeah, well, you, in the those days, either you put up or shut up. You know, if you're going to run with the big dogs, you got to run. So, you know, you don't cry about it. You just get up and do what you got to do. Would you have been so annoyed if you had someone writing promos for you back then in the 80s? Yeah, wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. I mean, the, the guys you had working, the Don Morocco's, the King Kong Bundy's, the Big John Studs. God, these guys aren't guys... That some weasel fucking writer from fucking God knows where is going to tell us what to say on a wrestling interview. The guy would have been killed. He would have been, would have been thrown like an arrow right through the wall uh, after the first time he tried to tell somebody something. So that wouldn't have, that would never fly. But it was. But if it was the standard in the industry like it is now, like it. I mean, you know, obviously that's how it goes now. But like you wouldn't have had the stars that you had back then if somebody else was being their mouthpiece. You you mentioned like someone like Morocco. You could say the word toenail, go, and Don would be like, the toenails of Jimmy <laughs> Snooker in the Madison Square Garden. Because he would go down, right? Morocco would go down. That was his gift. He'd go down with it, brother. <laughs> uh, well, you know, but, but the whole, here's here's the, the long and short of it. In the 80s, it was so good. Business was so good because everybody knew their craft. Guys were professionals. And when they said, it's your turn, and they turned the light on, everybody just, bam, turned the switch on. Everybody knew his his uh, character, knew, knew, knew what to say. I mean, you didn't have to, didn't take any practice, didn't take any, any you weren't writing any notes down. You went, you went through hours and hours and hours of each interview for different cities or, you know, city by city by city across the country for your opponents and different things. And, and you know, and, it, but it, it was, it was almost, it, it was a lot of work, but it, it was still fun too. But, and when, and when you saw you guys, when you were out and not wrestling and you saw you somewhere out on the road, you automatically knew that's a wrestler you weren't out in your you know sweatpants and your sneakers you were out in your boots and your tight jeans and your tight shirt and gorgeous all the time you know wrestling is like no other thing they call it sports entertainment it's not sports and it's not entertainment it, there's nothing else like it and part of it is because 
and it's not like this anymore, but I don't want to be an old fart lamenting that anymore. Be a fart. When <laughs> you walked into a locker room in 1978, and there's Afa, and there's Kamala, and there's King Ayukea, and there's Albano, and there's Tony Atlas, either the fucking circus came to town, yeah. or, the, or there was a wrestling card. It was something <laughs> visually exciting, too. So you've got the athletics, you've got the who's going to win, but then you've got something else, something that when I was a kid was what hooked me in, and that was holy shit, that guy might eat me alive right now if I get too close. I don't know the the last guy I saw on television that I would have been afraid of, even as an eight-year-old. Yeah, well, Captain Lou. Now, you've got the Grand Wizard, you know I mean? That, oh, yeah, and between Freddy, Blassie, and, and Lou, and the, and the Grand Wizard, and a brief run I had in there in like 78 and stuff with those guys, and, and Vince Sr. was running the show then we all had uh what was it? i can think it was in boston what was the name of the hotel where all the boys used to go on uh, no no it was a different it was an old old hotel and vince used to have a big dinner for all the all the managers in and new all the york top. or boston i think it was boston howard johnson no no it was because okay. new was, york had the ramada on 48th street but i think that's yeah, where you no, guys that, stayed I, million times a Ramada, but this was an old hotel in Boston. And this is like in 78 and, and then senior would have, and I remember Lou, Lou Albano and they were trying to calm him down and they'd almost have to drag him out of the room. Vince would, Vince senior would be pissed off because Lou just would be going off crazy. And, and, and everybody was running wild back in those days. And, but I mean, to to an extent, but you had Vince Sr. and Pat Patterson. You still had, you know, the the, the Gorilla Monsoon. You had all the the major players there. Arnie Scolan was in there, and every, the whole deal. Was it vodka? Was the was uh was Albano's gimmick? Right? He loved that. Oh vodka. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I heard a story. I forget who told me. I talked to a million people, but somebody told me at right after Junior came in. Listen, Albano was one of those guys that Junior had to pledge to keep on forever. Right. If he was ever going to get the company for his father, uh, you know, Monsoon, Albano, they had to have a job. So now Albano clearly knew that. I heard a story. He got up every half hour from his seat at the garden, fistful of vodka, went into McMahon's office and screamed at him to go fuck himself and then came back and played cards. He did it every half hour for the entire day. <laughs> he must have been such a thorn in McMahon Jr.'s side. Yeah, he was he was a he was a <laughs> he was a wild man, and uh, God, I love him. I I was pretty good, pretty close to him. And, uh, let, let me ask you guys: You're in Florida. Are you guys staying safe? We, we are recording this for anyone who's listening through the magic of the podcast land or whatever. Looking back months, this is during the COVID nineteen gimmick here. Uh, what are you guys doing to stay safe? Are you social distancing? I mean, hopefully, hopefully not from each other. I haven't left the house hardly, and in two weeks, almost as it is, and Missy goes out for supplies. I'm like the lion, NS. you know, and uh, uh, you know, here and there for supplies. And but you know, it's funny because everything shut down. The beaches shut down. They they shut down the pool here. And I went on Amazon and I bought us this ten foot round pool. We put it out on our deck, and we are out there on our floats. Every, <laughs> every, every little, little pool like Fred Flintstone, but. We, hey. we sit in we sit in it on our asses up to our neck and we drink like gay 
working all yeah. day and then I'm cooking hot dogs on the grill. But yeah, we're staying we're staying safe. And plenty of action, I hope, right? Because we're indoors now, so Well, no. No blowjobs because <laughs> Because you're married. Uh, uh... No, no, not because we're married, just because, you know, the coronavirus. Oh, the fear of the corona will go through the penis. This is unbelievable. Good. Is... It... Oh, come on. Bodily fluids. Hmm. Bodily fluids. Listen, I don't oh, know. I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to be. No, I have to. I have my notes. I'm in my uh, bunker here, so I have to look down. I don't have my whole setup I have at home. I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable standing next to someone to take a piss at a urinal, much less spending. <laughs> Spending time around people. Brutus, right? when do you think wrestlers are going to be able to be as physically in contact with each other? Different guys, d- different nights, locker rooms, which already smell like an ox's balls. Uh, you can imagine what's going on on, How do like, you know? on the floor of a lot, <laughs> just from being in the locker room. Oh, oh, for, well, I spend a lot of time on the farm. That's. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, no. I was thinking of Ox, the guy with the crazy eyebrows. Oh, Ox Baker. No, no, no. His balls smell terrible now because he's dead. But when the hell do you think wrestling is going to be normal again? I'm just from a physical uh, it's standpoint. Gonna be a, it's going to be a few months, but I, I think everything's going to pretty much go back to normal. I mean, it's never going to be exactly the way it was because we're now, I think everybody's like going to be looking over their shoulder with this you know, pandemic deal happening. So they're going to have to really kind of still always sleep with one eye open, you know, but it's going to get back to normal. I see like my, you know, my deal is going and doing conventions and, and, and uh, meet and greets. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm dead in the water here until things really get back going full blast before they start, you know, putting, you know, five, 10, 20,000 people on, in places for for a weekend listen i've been at those things you don't want to shake those fucking guys hands anyway and add a little corona action to it then you don't just have to worry about the ball cheese which you normally do um let's tell everybody though if if they do want to meet you and the world is back to normal that august 8th at the really cool comic con at the johnson center at clear university in howell michigan and then august 30th at the columbus toy and game show at the ohio expo center and that and more information can be found at esspromotions.com go there check out where brutus is going to be and send uh eric some hate email um (laughs) brutus beefcake Dot com. You can always go to brutusbeefcake.com. And Brutus has a book out, too. Let's, let, what's the name of the book, Brutus? Strutting and Cutting. Strutting and Cutting. Brutus, Brutus Beefcake, Strutting and Cutting, Way Through Life. Now, Missy, as the agent, two, <laughs> two words for you when working with Eric Sims, independent accounting, okay? Uh-huh. Just, just saying. Um, listen, uh, Brutus, I always ask the legends this. Would you be a good agent now? in Connecticut or for, for WWE? An agent? Sure. I mean, well, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 they wouldn't, they wouldn't like what I got to tell them. Right. It wouldn't be his assistant. Yeah. I mean, maybe 10, maybe 10, 20 years ago or something. Yeah. Hell yeah. It would have been great, you know, but now yeah i don't know that's I mean, why i'm I asking just, you now because most of the guys say no because i'd punch someone in the yeah. face now and that's yeah i'm not, I'm not a, i was never the big huge kiss ass you know 
<laughs> you know, down on my knees and sucking somebody's dick in the corner for shit, like some guys were doing. But quiet, that's not true. Oh, uh, yeah, there, it is true. Um, but. Yeah, you know. This. Yeah, Brutus was Brutus was doing some show uh, <laughs> I don't know, up in Canada or something like that. And he was on TV and he was supposed to be pumping the show, but it was a sucky show. And they asked him, so you know, what would you tell guys who want to break into the business town? And Brutus said, "Go to school, get a fucking job, be a doctor or something." <laughs> I didn't. They yeah, they're expecting me to give them some great insight on the wrestling business. I said, "Yeah, go get a freaking." Go to a freaking college. You can get an education. The hell with wrestling. You know, <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of sucking dick, uh, and I don't say that that often. Speaking of sucking dick, when you first came out with the beefcake gimmick, right? 84, let's say, right? Debuting in the WWF ring. Yep. Um, it's tame by today's standards, okay? They go crazy today. But back then, it was pushing the envelope you had those, you had those tights which were like see-through on the side, could almost like see your ass and stuff. And so, like, all right. So as the viewer, the, the guys are going, like, is this a Chippendale guy? Is this, is it a gay thing? What did they tell you direction-wise? Did they want you to like push the sexual ambiguity thing? Did they just? want you to try to appeal to women what direction were you given with that initial beefcake character before the barber <laughs> almost no direction uh pat patterson you know had interjected his deal he interjected he says, his deal oh. into you yeah well he wanted me to be he's they they, they said oh now you're from san francisco he, he wanted me to be the the gay fucking you know Beefcake the gay guy, and I, I I told him straight up that that wasn't going to happen. And you know my 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 vision of this was the male stripper guy, not the you know well, not the gay gay they, stripper guy. They did play with that, like you would hear, uh, like Bobby, not Bobby Heenan, um, Gene Okerlund would do the whole oh, oh I, get, I wonder if his mother knows, you know. So there was always that that gay undertone, though you didn't play it up in the ring. You weren't acting effeminate. You were doing a strut, which could be anything. It could be an animal or a human. It, you, you you weren't playing like the effeminate gay thing. So I was just curious if they ever did tell you like, hey, be a little more gay, you know? Well, Patterson wanted me to. No doubt. I, I, you know, I, 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 I mean, did you know Louis? Dundera. Dundera was his uh, his uh, hairdresser boyfriend his, and husband, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, and yeah. So I mean, I knew Louis and those guys, and blah blah blah. I have no problem, you know. As long as you don't mess with me, you know. God bless you. Whatever you want to do, that's that's up to you. And I, so I didn't have a problem with Louis and Pat and all their their antics. But when it came to that, I, I said I draw the line. You know, I'm not I'm not gay, and I'm not playing that. That I'm not gonna play that game. You know, in front of the world here, on my big break in New York and, and worldwide as Beefcake, I said I'm I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and so and that's what I did. Where did you stand when all that uh, the the sexual scandal came out, like with the Donahue show, where they were specifically now saying that guys were told if they didn't trade sexual favors. They wouldn't get pushes. It was probably the underneath guys. You you wouldn't do that to a big star because they would just fucking jump ship. That was back when you had you know other places to work. Um, 
Did you think it had credence? Did you believe it? Did you see any of it? What year was this you're talking about? Well, I think it came to light in the 90s, but they were talking about back in the 80s with uh, Patterson, Terry Garvin, Mel Phillips, Mel Phillips running around sucking feet and sucking toes and shit. Yeah, well, there was some, there was some, a lot of stories going on about some of the ring boys and some things that were going on. And I I definitely, I I know there was some things going on with those people for sure with Terry Garvin and, and that whole group. And, but I steered, you know, I steered clear of it. I I was running pretty hard back then. Uh, it was either with, with Greg, me, I mean, Greg ran in, in the early 80s there. And then later on, uh, once once the beefcake, the barber thing came along and I turned babyface and then I was hanging with Hogan, you know, a lot, you know, because then we were teamed up and, you know, they were running us all over the place. I thought you were the perfect guy to get a heel uh, intercontinental strap. Back before the barber stuff, before you went babyface, when when you were in there with and, and like Tito had, the t- I thought you would have been a great IC champion. That's just I'm just kissing your ass for a minute here. I yeah, agree. well, they didn't even give me. I don't think I ever had an IC shot uh, ever as a heel. Really? Okay. Wow. I had. Well, I worked a lot. Well, you worked Hogan. I was you worked working, Hogan. I worked Hogan. They didn't put me with the IC champion. Yeah. They put me with Hogan, and you know he was doing great business with everybody. But the business we did t- together was stellar. I mean, you know, shows across the country from one end to the other sold out weeks in advance. I remember showing Oakland, and we had flown in on an airplane uh, at like three, four o'clock, and we'd been on the road. We said we're going to the gym, so we flew in and went to the gym. And then we went to the hotel in San Francisco there and picked up uh, our towels and stuff and then drove in the, in the limo to the to the uh, Oakland Arena there. And there was 2,000 people outside the arena trying to get tickets, tried to get in, in the arena. We had to go through all these people in the limo. Thank God for the blacked out windows and shit. And we come into the arena and I'm ready. They gave us hell and Hogan just said, yeah, hey. Fuck off, man. You know, we got a, we got a choice here. We can work out, come get here to the arena at 7, plenty of time because we're not going on until 10, plenty of time. You know, Beefcake doesn't need to be sitting here at 5 or 6 o'clock like the rest of the Stooges. So get over it, and that's the way it's going to be, you know. And we chose instead of going to the bar before the show to go to the gym. You know, and that's <laughs> – you didn't. You didn't make did that. It. You didn't make that choice the night we shot the day morning. We shot that time damn timeline. I wish you'd gone to the gym the night before. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, I did go to the gym at, at eight. I called but, him that morning. I'll never forget. And if this is what I'm thinking, it was. I called him that morning. Yeah, he was in the hallway talking to you. He was in the hallway going, "I'm trying to make the money." I did that. I'm doing the I was still shit faced. I swear. Doing the thing. We drank so much to tequila. Money. That was uh, Andrew, Drew, Drew Anderson. Anderson. I said, yeah. I'm drunk. I'm just, I'm trying to make money. <laughs> Missy, the guy's on the road busting his ass, and you're, you're like a typical agent. You're on the phone busting his horns. I can't believe this. I have to bust his horns. Listen, <laughs> uh, we talked about we talked about Hogan. Okay, I would well, be remiss hey. if I didn't bring up Bubba, that whole deal. There's no hum, oh. there's no human being alive 
that believes that that wasn't a work, whether Hogan knew it was a work or whoever, but that that was set up beforehand, right? I, I, I definitely think it was. I don't think that uh, Hogan had any idea. At first, I thought, mm, I don't think he had a clue. The The few times we talked about it, he was devastated by it. That well, I think not, he was devastated uh, that it got yeah. released. So maybe he didn't know it was being taped. Oh, right, yeah. But, no, he knew he knew he was going to be stopping that lady. Believe me when I tell you that. Above his wife. Yeah, no, it's yeah, Heather, kid. right? And so, like, he knew, he knew he was it when it wasn't Heather the first Clem. time. Heather Clem. He walks in, and it's like they walk into the bedroom. There's candles all over the place. It's like a French whorehouse. There's candles all over the place. Romantic. And, and like, he's like, "All right, well, you know, I'm going to be in my office. You guys hang out here. You know, the twister mats over there, and the chessboards over there." <laughs> he leaves. Hogan whips out a fucking beer can, like I've never seen his rope. And he goes to town on this on this girl, and it, it just seemed a little too prepared. Now I'm sure he didn't want it all over the internet, and uh, although, listen, if if we could all be the man he is, I'm sure you are, Brutus. But if we could all be the man Hogan is, I we, we li- like some of that advertising. But um, it just smelled fishy, no pun intended. I, you know what? I it was Brutus never never talks about this, but I mean it's really really sad that it happened. If Bubba, I guess, and his wife, the ex wife, must have been swingers, and I'm sure that you know in most, most situations, if a guy's gonna, you know, have sex, it's safer. You know, better a devil you know than a devil you don't know. Well, that's a very progressive <laughs> way to look at banging someone's wife, but um, <laughs> but uh, listen, Brutus, Brutus, look you. Look at Heather and then look at Bubba. I mean, uh, she I married him. I know, well, but well, five feet tall and three feet wide. Yeah, I well, the Italian like, guys say this and this, right? The 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 short guys and then the tall guys. Listen, Brutus, you and Terry are very good friends, okay? And you've known him for a very long time. You have a history. What did he say to you about this? He said he had no idea. Listen to you. Now you're the attorney. Shut up. He said he had no idea. Well, he told me that Bubba had mentioned to him one time something about his wife. And he had, like, looked, said, like, you know, Bubba said something about, you know, something about me and his wife, you know. And I said, like, what? You You know, I I told him, hey, don't, don't walk away. Run away. Don't, you know, don't get anywhere near that. Right. Listen, the fucking payday from the lawsuit didn't hurt. I don't know if that was good advice, oh, Brutus. I would have told him to dive in face first. I don't know if he'll ever even see any of it. I don't know if he has seen any of that money from Gawker yet. Oh, really? No, they, they've declared bankruptcy. And yeah, but I'm sure blah, that he blah, got blah. some money. I'm sure he got some money, and he deserved it. He's, I mean, that's embarrassing. Nobody wants that stuff coming out. Nobody wants to even think about Who wants that? I mean, he's married. He has a new wife, and that stuff has to come out. It's that was horrible, and that was really low lifey of Bubba to do that. Oh, Bubba was a low life. Period. Bubba was a low life. You were never friends. Oh, with Bubba? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever called me real. We were really friends when uh, Hogan and I worked out every morning, and then for for a while there, Bubba had a show on, and then. You know, uh, Terry called Bubba's show from the gym in the mornings. And we were, you know, after we got done working out, it became a, and then, you know, Bubba was around more and more. And Bubba just really kissed his ass and just, 
was always buying shit for the kids for Nick and bringing them like bring Nick guitars signed by bands and just doing stuff, just really, really weird shit all the time. And and he just, he really pushed his kind of way into, into his life there. And, and then, and then it became, you know, I, I eventually kind of got a little distant. I kind of backed away there. You know, they got after Macho Man a lot. Macho Man freaked out and, and stuff. And Bubba was on his ass on the radio all the time. And they, they, it got really ugly there for a while. And, and Bubba was just, you know, relentless. Right. And Terry, Terry thought it was, he was a shit disturber anyway. He always thought, you know, he would always go in ahead of things and stir up some shit and then stand back and watch all the shit start happening and, and, and laugh and, and giggle and think of everything was funny, but wasn't always that, you know, it was pretty serious about some stuff, you know, that was going on. Let me uh, open this to the public. We told the public at large, they could have their moment with Brutus. How so, you? uh, <laughs> Salvatore Martone asks uh is monday always chest day brother can you sneak a leg day <laughs> in on a monday as a way to shock the system brother shoot i don't know after working out 40 40 years we just kept it what the same as it was same monday, as it ever che- was chest day has a whole new meaning now usually on monday he's adjusting my chest your chest <laughs> just just for the visual for the fans what size are we talking about i'm a D or a double D, double D depend, yeah. depending upon what God I'm bless you. Brutus, <laughs> Brutus, breast 36 man. double D. Breast man, safe to say, Brutus? Oh, yeah. Okay, very good. All right, we're asking the important things here. Meet the press. We'll be following us um, here. Uh, Andrew McHale, Andy Tampa, says, when the Rockers split segment was pitched to you, did you have any idea how much of an iconic moment you'd be involved in? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, really, they hardly didn't even pitch it to me. Barbershops weren't scripted. Like, I mean, they we they set up the whole thing. They, they kind of gave me an outline, of, and I had an idea what was going to happen. I, it worked better by not a lot of shit. Nothing was hardly really planned. Didn't, we didn't do any walkthroughs. I mean, this, the stuff now, they, they rehearse and walkthroughs and this and that, all this shit. We didn't do any walkthroughs. There was no rehearsals. I barely, I mean, I didn't have a script or lines. I didn't have anything written down. I went out there and winged it. So I really didn't even know. I mean, I knew about the, the, the barbershop window was right. thing, and they are going to do something about the window, Marty. But I really didn't know he was going to super kick Marty head first through the window. Oh, wow. And, and all that, really. And now Marty said he was, you know, if he went through the window, he was, he was, hanging there wondering what am i supposed to do now he kind of like stayed there for a little bit not knowing yeah. what the hell to do i was a little uh, uneasy and uncomfortable I, you know marty i liked marty a, a lot i thought marty was really one of the better half of that team almost and it's just so bad that the way it worked out for marty because he you know he just marty got a bad day. he foiled and, and floundered and and then was you know went off into the sunset and it was never the same, never, you know, boom. And then Sean was, you know, the now golden child and then wound up being the champion and then on and on and on. He's almost like family. Hey, what's up with Sean Michael's eyes? He's family up there now, you know. Is, is it because Sean gave up his ass to the head booker? You can say it. It's true. Or false. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. The head booker was a woman. 
<laughs> so Jason would like to know, was it true the genius didn't know you were going to cut his hair at the Rumble 90 or WrestleMania 6 and Savage went nuts backstage? Oh, it was true. Came back from the ring. See, Pat Patterson, they, they didn't tell Lanny that he was getting his hair cut. That, that's, these guys, you know, they had a real warped sense of humor. To them, this was a rib. And Randy was Randy was so volatile. I yeah. mean, if you look looked sideways at at Liz, Randy would freak out and go crazy and throw shit and kick doors down and, and start throwing everything around the the dress room. So then, you know, when we came back, I went to get Lanny and he ran off. I had to physically drag him back to the ring because this is WrestleMania. You only get one shot at it. And I was going to get my hair cut in, and I did. And when Randy, I came back, Randy was there, all bowed up with his chest out. And then I said, Randy, said, if, you, if you feel froggy, brother, go ahead and jump. But I said, you'd be jumping on the wrong guy. You need to go see Pat Patterson because he didn't tell your brother that, what was going on. And this whole thing is, you know, that's on them. Don't, don't look at me. I just did my job. I did what I was told to do. Right. Period. End of the story. And he just, he didn't even know what to say, what to do. He just took off. Well, listen, you two have been charming this evening. I don't want to take any more of your time. We all have to go back into sequester. You two are going to snuggle up under the covers. No blowjobs, but I'm sure other things, <laughs> other things are happening. Let's tell we'll everybody. We're going to snuggle with our chihuahuas. Once again, is that a euphemism for the double D? Maybe you call them yeah. the chihuahuas? Okay, that was our interview. I don't even know who the hell it was going to be, so I can't even tell you. What, what were you saying? This is my daughter, Mia. She's here to Hi. help me. Hi. Um, I'm a little confused on how to say some of these names. She's um, she's a teenager, so I figured that uh, she could host uh, with me the social media uh, element of this, which was your Twitter questions. What do you mean? Which ones can't you read? What do you mean? No, I, it's because their name is like... Ins- their- Instagram? No, no, it's because their name is, like, called Instagram, so, I just, so do I just, like, say that? Because that's what their name is marked as. But isn't that, isn't, uh, yeah, just read whatever okay. it says. So, do I start? All right, first question, go ahead. The first, first question. question is by Instagram, a wrestling historian, and they said, what can you tell the kids today about Gary Hart? Oh, God, kid, but, but, like, when you say kids today, I'm guessing that, that you're talking about the fact uh, young workers right about what to learn from gary hart gary hart was a manager oh he's a wrestler but then he, he was a manager and booker for the uh dallas texas territory and um gary was great gary did an episode of guest booker with us and then flew home and died so we were uh, sad to lose Gary, but he left us such wisdom on Guest Booker. What would I tell the young talent today from from Gary? All you got to do is watch some Gary Hart promos, okay? Don't even, don't even deal with the booking. Just watch the promos. There's the intensity and the believability. That's it. That's the two things. He's a manager, okay? But he, he, he appeared dangerous, and, and, and he was able to get that danger across by, by that authenticity. He tapped into something in him. So, so there's that, that's that authenticity, that believability, and an element of danger. He didn't have to stand there and scream. There was a coolness and a, and, and a danger in an old-school kind of way about Gary Hart. That's why he was great. Okay, so the next question is by Brad Stutz. 
And um, he said, were there any Back to the Territories episodes discussed or planned that never came to be? And he also said, uh, 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 sorry, always wondered who the always guests were. Always good to were. go, uh, when you, you know, when you stumble over a word. Yeah, and you come. okay. Always wondered who the guests might have been to discuss world class, uh, continental, and other territories had the series continued. Okay, so... I will, I'll give you that entire list. As she was reading it, I pulled it up on my phone. And here is the list of territories and guests that we had, that we'd come up with. Um, it had been tweaked over time, and there's people on this list that are dead now. But, um, but initially, when we launched the series and we did the first season, Cornette, myself, Anthony came up with these. For, the, for AAA, we had Conan. We just had one name. Now, remember, we had to talk to people that would have been well-versed enough in the history of the uh, of the territory, but also worked there and could talk about the, the ins and outs uh, from a day-to-day perspective. So Conan for AAA, uh, Alabama could have been Bob Armstrong or Rob Fuller. Um, we did this one, Stan Hansen on All Japan Pro Wrestling. We did that. Australia would have been Bushwhacker Luke. Uh, CMLL would have been El Santo Jr. or Mil Mascaras. Uh Dallas Territory, Kevin Von Erich, I mean, really the only one, not the only one, I mean, uh, Michael Hayes might have been able to, but but to have a Von Erich talk about the Von Erich Territory, I, I think would have been a must, but it was so hard to get Kevin to travel. He lives in Hawaii, and and, and it was very difficult to get him over to the, uh, to the mainland. Detroit Territory would have been uh, Sabu or Abdullah. Sabu, a bit of a stretch, but because of the, the history with, with Ed Farhat, but um, Abdullah would have been an obvious choice. The Hawaii Territory, um, Ed Francis or Don Morocco. Houston was Bruce Pritchard. We did that. ICW, Lanny Poffo. Uh, IWA would have been uh, Ivan Koloff, uh, possibly Emil Mascaris. Kansas City would have been Harley Race. He's no longer with us. Uh, Chavo Guerrero Sr. could have covered Los Angeles. Jerry Lawler from Memphis. Uh, New Japan would have been Great Muda or Jushin Liger. San Antonio obviously would have been Tully, Blan- Tully Blanchard. Uh, Portland could have been Rip Oliver, who just died, I believe. Uh, the Grappler or Colonel De Beers. Uh, Smoky Mountain. What I wanted to do for Smoky Mountain was to, you know, Jim Cornette was the, the host of this series, but so I wanted to do the switch. I wanted to put uh, Corny in the guest seat and have Meltzer host that was the plan we had we never shot it though um st louis would have been larry madisick or uh, who else could have done st louis i think we just had larry madisick jerry jarrett for tennessee uh, puerto rico could have been carlos cologne hugo savinovich dutch mantel tulsa could have been mike mcgurk bill watts ted dibiase the Oklahoma Territory there. San Francisco, Pat Patterson, Afa, Orsica. Toronto could have been Angelo Mosca. I think he's, is he dead, Angelo Mosca? Last time I saw a photo of him, it, it, it did not look good. So he may be gone. And then uh, the last one I had was um, UWA, Mexico. Connect uh, was going to be uh, the guest there. So that's a little, a little, uh, a bit of a uh, an inside look, a little treat. A little uh, treasure. Go ahead, uh, Mia. Please okay. uh, continue the question. Um, this next question was asked by Found Objects, and they said, "Have you ever had anyone or their agent call you after a shoot and ask you not to include some information, comment, or behavior that happened on camera?" 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, Marty Jannetty, if you read that whole debacle in my book, but he called me after it was out and, and was unhappy with it in its state when it was out. And believe me, I put in overtime to make it look as uh, intelligible as I could. Um, but once it's out, it's I can't another Sabu another time when he came up to me. I just I, I remarked about this story on this podcast when uh, we had Fonzie on, and uh, Sabu came up to me. He's like, uh, "Hey, listen, can you cut the shit I said about uh, Kurt Angle out? Because he was about to go start working with Kurt in uh, TNA." I was like, "Sabu, it's been out for six months." He's like, "Oh, all right, well, fuck it." Um, who else uh, had objections to things they said? Oh, that might be it. That might have been the only instances. There are times I took stuff out. Usually, the line I draw is family, family. If you know, because they didn't sign up for the deal. So if someone's talking about someone's kids or someone else's wife or something, that's you know, that's not. Uh, okay. That won't work. Uh, so this next question was asked by Keith Grant. Oh, sorry, Gamrat, and um, they said in your guest bookers with Mike Graham and Terry Taylor. Did you do a nice introduction for both of them extolling their virtues as a talent and office personnel? Sorry. Uh, both both seem disinterested and barely thankful of your putting them over. Am I being sensitive or were they... Cunts? Oh, you don't want to say cunts? Okay. Because yeah. this is like going out. Okay, I'll <laughs> say it. Cunts. Father of the year here. Um, uh, you know what? I don't remember that. I have to look at it. Terry Taylor and Mike Graham. Well, shortly after both shoots, Mike Graham went on to shoot himself in the head and kill himself. And uh, Terry Taylor went on to grab my ass while I was standing at the urinal uh, after the shoot. So there you go. That's what they both went on to do. Uh, great things. Uh, next question, Mia. Okay, that sounded very interesting. Did you, you enjoyed that one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, the next question was asked by B. Um, who is the one person, dead or alive, that you wish you could have interviewed on camera? Oh, I get this one a lot. I, you know, there's dead or alive, one person. Uh, it, it's got to be wrestling-related. I would prefer it not be wrestling-related. But if it's got to be wrestling-related, I mean, Vince McMahon would make a great interview. I'd love to interview him. Uh, I would love to have done a, a guest booker with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, there could have been s such great stories told on a U-shoot by someone like uh, Mr. Perfect or... Owen Hart, just his his rib stories would have been would have been great. Do you want to read one too, hon? Lana, I have my other daughter here, Lana. Oh. She's seven. Okay. She, she's she actually starts our show every week, uh, letting um, letting everyone know that this is a programming with uh, with adult content. She, right. That's she, you. She can't read. She can read a little. Uh, Pick one that's easy. Okay. For Christ's sake, we're big, we have only days left because of the virus. Uh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. This one was asked by Matthew Toy. Okay, Matthew Toy's question. If Einstein was so smart, how could he be dead? If Einstein's so smart, how could he be dead? Because I, I, cause, cause, a very good question, Alana. But I think that his intelligence was measured uh, in, in ways other than uh, his years on the planet. All right, how many more we have here, for Christ's sake? Uh, which one did you want me to stop at? Oh, my God. Go, go, go. Uh, okay, here. How about that one? Then? Okay. And uh, this, we can wrap this, this up. This was asked by Brian Long, and he said, There have been many books published about Kiss. I'm sure you could develop one that stands out from the rest. Any plans in the works? 
none yet, but that's a fine idea. I may get on that. That's uh, I could write about anything, right? Could write about anything. All right, I hope you enjoyed this uh, very cinema verite uh, style here of programming while we are uh, set up here in our uh, house south. And uh, how are you holding up, Mia? You okay? Good. No. Um, I don't want anyone to make me into a meme because I've seen that happen with you before. So Yes, I have. But, <laughs> but hey, has anyone made you into a Funko Pop toy? Uh, which is now available. It's not available, oh. but uh, there, yeah. there is one of me. <laughs> and even that, guys, even that does not make you cool to your 14-year-old or your 7-year-old. I want it, though. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want I want it so that, like, whenever I get mad at you, I can just, like, throw it across the room. Okay, we can turn the mic off. Wow. Ah. This program uh, has been a production of Sean Oliver Media. Copyright. Why did you say media so loud? 2020. Someone help me. We're sequestered. Help me. Oh, we're self... What is it? Self-sequestering? Whatever the hell the term is. Music by the great Kevin McLeod. Licensed for a Creative Commons license. Listen, we'll see you next week. And we'll probably still be down here. So you never know what's going to happen. I may, I may sound as disheveled as I look next time I talk to you. Talk to you next week. Peace out.